0: Uh, I've already spoken to a couple of Chelsea fans to get the lowdown on recent years, but not about the 60s and 70s, which is why, why right. Neil Fitzsimon, you are here to talk about yeah. life in what you call a lost era and way of life. So away from the pitch, um, yeah. there was uh, Alan Partridge in the 90s used to ask his guests, the 60s, <laughs> what was it like? Um, so, so yes, the 60s, what was it like?
1: I mean, I was a child growing up in the 60s because um, something going on in the country, with, like the birth of the Beatles and everything like that was going on. It seems to be one great record coming out every week, topped off by England's uh, World Cup victory in 66. Um, uh, I go on in the book about also about the culture of street football, where you could um, go out somewhere on your bike, see some kids on a park and, uh, and join in. And that was the way that you met people. And that's the way that I met all my friends. I've still got to this day uh, when I moved uh, to Hemel Hempstead in, in the autumn of 1969. I went to school on the other side of Hemel. I didn't have any friends where I was. Uh, and I could see these uh, boys playing football down the fields every night from the house where we lived. Uh, and my dad said to me, look, you know, if, if you want to sit in every night and be bored uh, out of your skull... Um, Fine, he said, but the only way you're going to get anywhere is to go down there and ask if you can join in. And that's what I did. And I, I made lifelong friends that I've got to this day.
0: That's wicked. Yeah, there's a, a big contingent of North Hertfordshire football fans. I've spoken to Paul Bishop, who wrote a great book about being a Watford fan. I think he's more St Albans. And then the Brimpsons yeah. are still in Hemel. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I know them. Yeah, would, would you have played football with them as a kid?
1: Oh, no, no. I, was, uh, I think they were on another side of Hemel to me I was more like uh, Bennett's end that way and okay. um, never stopped green uh, yeah, we had our own street team we had our own kit <laughs> um, we played against other streams you know when we got 20 it was considered in those days uh, a bit childish to be playing football down the field with your mates. so we all Join different teams like you know Sunday league and Saturday teams. Uh, I know I did. You know I won a few leagues and that and everything, and got a few medals. I never enjoyed it as much as that freedom of when we played with our street team, because uh, there was no pressure on you in that. And you know invariably in Sunday and Saturday you've got somebody screaming at you half the time. But yeah, it was a great way to meet. I mean, you know, within when I first went down there, I was the kid from London that they grudgingly let join in. And then by that summer of 1970, I had a whole new set of mates. You know, then uh, during those that six-week holiday, it coincided with the you know the Brazil team in the 1970 World Cup. And each day it was just going down the fields playing football or playing studio tournaments and all stuff like that. So it was absolutely, and I feel sorry because I've got I've got you know a couple of i've got a, a young nephew and they've got no social life like that now i know with the, i know the pandemic mm-hmm. has you know has uh queered everything but uh even before that they don't go out and meet people like we did you had to go out and make your own entertainment then they just sit at home um you know either on their phones or online and it's uh, i find it quite sad because um it was a you know, it's a, it's a brilliant way of keeping fit as well. When you think about it, I was, during the summer months, I was down those fields every night of the week we were playing.
0: I'm sure, I lived next to a field, and yet I would always play in the garden with my brother. It would always be one-on-one with two football goals, and whenever oh, right. kids came yeah. over, we'd play in the garden. So, and because I'm not a social butterfly, I'm the creator of the football library, which says a lot about me. Right. But even in the yeah. kind of early 2000s, before home internet, before certainly before Bluetooth-enabled video game play. That's what killed everything. Yeah. Why would you want to go outside when you could play someone on the other side of the world either shooting or driving or kicking? Oh, no. And oh, yet no. football on computer games has moved closer to real football, and real football's moved closer to the computer games. So watching yeah. a game like the Champions League final, it's FIFA. Yeah. You're watching FIFA yeah. football or Pro
1: Evo. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right, yeah.
0: But yeah, yeah the, sorry. The, the, what I meant to ask: World Cup 1970. Who would you pretend to be? Would you be Pele? Uh,
1: no, Rivellino. Oh, lovely. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved his free kicks and uh, that trick that they used. We we reenacted that down the uh, the field. where they put a man on the end of the ball and then just Rivellino would smash it at him and he'd get out of the way at the last second. I think it was tossed out a lot of the time He used to go in the ball and, uh, of course, there was a gap there. I think they scored against Czechoslovakia like that in one of the games and you know we were just fascinated and even four years later my, my even uh, my favourite team even over that Brazil team was the Dutch team of 1974
0: You well love Gary Thacker's book Beautiful Bridesmaids I, Dressed in Orange
1: I've, I've ordered it Excellent ago. <laughs> Good Yeah Yes okay yeah, yeah. so it's
0: out ready as we speak it comes out next Monday but it is out <laughs> as soon as you listen to this so yeah it's uh, God yeah. it's it's yeah, orange he, Proustian he, rush yeah
1: He's with Pitch as well, isn't as he? I think, is, pitch yes. Publishing, as, that team in 1974, because I was about 18 then and everything, I just I absolutely loved them. You know, I've never seen football like it, and, you know, the names now, like Niskins, Rhett, Rensombrink, Cruyff, Kroll, it, you know, this, it, I can uh, Rattle them all. remember all of them. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely brilliant. And the, was it the Van der Kerkhoff brothers? Yes. Really Van der Kerkhof, yeah. Whom I didn't yeah, know about
0: until I read this book, but yeah, to have brothers yeah. in a World Cup final.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, they were a great side, and it was—I think—it I think was—it was their arrogance that cost them in that final. Because I remember watching that. I think Niesten scored a penalty after about 80 seconds without the Germans touching the ball, and then instead of going for the jugular, Holland just tried to humiliate them, and that's the one thing that the Germans won't put up with. And uh, you know, they came back with two goals, and as much as Holland tried in the second half, they couldn't break them down. Mm-hmm. And it's a a great shame, really. I felt quite empty after that uh, final.
0: Yeah, because you'd have invested so much in them. Do you remember the Penenka yeah. penalty in Euro 76? What were you doing in 1976,
1: yeah. Grandpa? Uh, <laughs> I was, uh, that night, I was going out with my new girlfriend about our second date. So I never saw the Penenka penalty, but my brother-in-law told me about it when I, when, I, when I came in that night and uh yeah it was a fact especially doing it against uh Seth i thought that was fantastic
0: yeah
1: making him look like a fool and everything and the actually have the Germans losing a penalty shoot out
0: yes it was probably unprecedented at the time maybe the first shoot yeah. i've ever lost yeah would you attend the king's road between 76 77
1: 78 oh yeah yeah i used to frequent it a lot because i had mates that went with me to chelsea and uh, as we got older um Instead of coming straight home, we would be down to like the Chelsea drugstore, the Chelsea Potter, places like that, and we'd, we'd spend the night down there. Yeah, the women were pretty unobtainable, but you know, it was nice looking, really. Yes. <laughs> um, we used to go down there because you could tell, definitely tell there was a, a, a definite divide between the football uh, crowd and those people that were rich enough to live down there.
0: Mm, yeah. I read England's Dreaming, which is John Savage's book. Um, it Actually, oh, yeah. I read it in my fourth year at university. I would dedicate blocks of time to reading it. And I yeah. more than anything, it was a fashion. It was like a youthquake, And John does really, yeah. really well, especially outlining who the real hero of punk was. It's the Svengali McLaren. Did you ever bump into McLaren yeah. and Vivian Westwood?
1: Uh, no, no. I, I mean, I work with Pat Collier, who's in The Vibrators. Uh, the, he produces all of our stuff, and he's mm. done that for since I... when we first signed... when we got signed to an indie label back in the late 80s, early 90s. uh, And he's been our producer ever since, yeah. Because he produced that Walking on Sunshine for Katrina the Ways Pat, as well as doing the Wonder stuff and all the other indie bands like the Darling Buds and the House of Love. Yeah, he's great. He's he's a really lovely bloke.
0: Oh, the Vibrators. Sorry, I've just picked up my discography, so I'm looking to see if the Vibrators had... Any hits? Automatic Lover, Judy Says Brackets Knock You in the Head. On Epic Records, God, he must have a story to tell.
1: Yeah, he's, yeah. He, he actually left the vibrators to start up a, a power pop band right at the height of punk because he was more of a fan of that uh, pack. Probably, uh, um, I searched all around London, I mentioned it in the second book, to get a, a, a single that he'd... Uh, written called We Vibrate, which I think was one of their early ones, uh, which I eventually got a copy of. And, you know, as I said in the book, if anyone told me that years later, I'd be working with him. Because when we got signed to a label, we got put with one producer that, even though he was a lovely bloke, he drove us insane. He, he'd worked on that, um, that bloody awful China in your hand thing, you know, that pal yep. thing. And when we decided we couldn't, we didn't want to work with him anymore, we had asked for Pat Collier. And the record company came back and I said, "Oh, we've we've had a meeting with him, and it's too. Ex- we've had a meeting with his manager, and it's too expensive." Which they seem to be delighted about because they love to push you around labels. Uh, and then out of the blue, one Saturday night, Pat Collier phoned and said, "I'm doing it." He said, uh, "I've I've done a deal with them. It's a lesser rate, but I'll get points on your album." And that was it. And that was. Uh, the big beginning of our lot of friendship, really, and he's worked on everything. He he mixed all that stuff on the uh, Wicked pantomime album.
0: Oh, wow. yeah, that's why it pops. It really does sound yeah. tremendous. Yeah, what, was, what was the band you were in?
1: Pretty Blue Gun. We we had it's the it's the normal story. The the album came out to really great reviews, but at that time before like the internet uh, and everything, the record company went bust just as our oh, album no. came out. Yeah, so who the owns album. the masters? I do. Good. Because it, it all reverted back to me. Um, I say I did, but now it's with a French label as well. They've got a share in it as well. So, but yeah, but I got all the masters back. But Good. it took us um, 16 months to get away from them, which is a long time in the music business. And it was all lawyers and everything. Yeah, you know, they'd, you know, they'd spent £75,000 on us. Uh, stiff Records came in and made an offer. And that was turned down because they wanted the full 75000 So it was a bit of a nightmare. Yeah. But, like, you know, I've been signed to various publishers and different labels ever since then. So, you know, I can't complain. I make a living out of it. So it's good.
0: Well, yeah, absolutely. And if Peter's affordable, yeah. I might look, uh, look him up because he's also worked with Kingmaker and, um, yes, Pretty Blue Gun, your band, X Ray Specs, yeah. Goldblade, whom I've heard of. Yeah. Isn't that John Robb's band, Goldblade?
1: Yeah, I mean, he did Voice of the Beehive. He he was he flew out to America to work with Belinda Carlisle for a while, as well, and, and all the other bits and pieces. But he's a fantastic producer. And, uh, well, I mean, I suppose now after all these years, he's like a friend. We you know we go out for a drink. When I lived in London, we went out for a drink together, and we used to go out for drinks. And he's a lovely bloke, and he's the most unmusic person you could ever meet. You'd never believe it. He's so down to earth. He's got n- none of that about him at all. Yeah. Uh, which I think, is quite amazing for somebody who's worked
0: with the best. I imagine Woody Womansey is, is a bit like that, because he can regale you with all uh, the Bowie stories of that era, but he's an ordinary bloke from oh, I think Hull.
1: Yeah, that's right. He was he was great. We went through problems with the French label last year. Uh, we got a bit disappointed with them because they were sometimes having the French label is not the best it gets lost in translation and we fell out with them. And Woody phoned me up and said, Look, you know, don't let this get you down you know, do what you do, carry on doing it, and get your hands back on the wheel. He said, you know, don't let it stop you. And we did. And the, then a few months later, up the blue, the French people came back and said, let's start again with a clean slate. So, yeah, he's, he's been great, okay. Woody. He's a really lovely bloke.
0: FitzSimonAndBrogan.com. Twitter is FitzSimonBrogan, which is also, Neil FitzSimon, where you are at. So I guess you run this yeah. Twitter account. So, uh, yeah. B does the base, and you do the retweets uh, in this arrangement. Uh, And again, melodic guitar pop. If you like any kind of music, if you like Mozart and go-kart Mozart, eh, eh, you'll love this wicked pantomime, which is the new Simon and Brogan album. Do you have one track that you recommend above all others that people should shout with from any of the albums?
1: Bullet for Cinderella is quite a good track. I agree. Um, Very immediate. uh, yeah uh I, in a weird way though it's not the most commercial I think that desolate angel's quite good as well but um you know that's and the singles you know I mean we're past the age where we do live now, but there's been a demand for our music, especially in the states they've they, they really support us, and it, it doesn't seem to really matter about the age they just like the music, so yeah it's we, as long as people are interested we have got our own studio and our own house, so you know we we just churn the stuff out, then it goes to pat. And Then it goes to the label, and then you know, and and and, and I think uh, there's an American label as well selling this wicked pantomime on CD as well, a double CD with bonus tracks.
0: Ooh,
1: we've just done a song for a Bowie tribute album that's being released in America at the end of the year. We did our version of All the Young Dudes.
0: Ooh, um, yeah, that would work because it's got. Uh, do you play the na 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 na? Do you play
1: that? Yeah. Way? all that yeah I, I play all the guitars and the bass and yeah. bass all the young
0: dudes was an enormous cables. hit in the states people are going to go for that
1: yeah yeah, yeah. well yeah M- Mott the hopeful. yeah did a fantastic version of it and um, yeah nice. we did that and uh, apparently that's going on to a Bowie tribute album at the end of the year
0: just in time for Christmas thank god yes <laughs> um,
1: that's right yeah.
0: I suppose uh, to finish because um, I imagine you've got are you writing today or are you taking it easy
1: I'm starting the next book in August because um, I couldn't face another nine months of that. <laughs> because that's, I, I'll tell you something now. Music is easier than writing a book. Oh, my God. I don't know what you find, but it, it's the discipline that I found hard of making myself... The way I did it, I don't know how you do it. I did five days a week, two pages each day, uh, then I had the weekends off and then started again on the Monday. But it is... You know, I found myself like thinking of anything I could do rather than
0: write. Uh huh. But, but Paul and Jane are very hands off. So as long as you've got an end date to turn it in, you're left on your own.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're great, aren't they? They're really good. I was quite amazed when I got there uh, because I heard one of their the, the people who've got, who do the Got Not Got uh, yeah. books. I was listening to them on Hawksby and Jacobs talking about it and they mentioned Pitch and I thought, oh, well. I knew there was a Chelsea publisher, Mark Worrell, that was interested in it. But I thought, had yeah, pitch sound really good. So I, I sent them about the first three chapters. And then a couple of weeks later, I was one Sunday night, I got an email back saying, yeah, we could do something at 12.99. I thought, well, <laughs> you know, so... And I had about 38,000 words then for the first one. So I had to write another 30,000. But the, the second one, that was more difficult because that was, I think, it's about... I think there's about 74,000 words to that one or something like that so the next book's going to be about 1980 it's going to be about the years after McCready left briefly but I'm going to concentrate on the 82-83 season when we miss getting relegated by a point to the third division and then the following year when the likes of Dixon, and Speedy and Nevin and all the others came Mickey Thomas and Joey Jones came in to the club and we won the second division Oh. <laughs> it seems almost unbelievable to go, to go. I mean, it was only Clive Walker's goal up at Bolton. It was between us, and then to go down, and we beat them up there one 0 and that saved us. And then in the summer, we had a clear out, and uh, he brought in all these uh, brilliant players, Uncle Ken.
0: Oh yes, uh, and one of whom has written the book The Accidental Footballer, which is out in yeah, hardback. But- I have not had managed to get Pat Nevin in, but he has spoken to the Football Ramble. Uh, so if you want to listen to Pat talk about his love of indie yeah. music,
1: uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, great. I love Pat. Yeah, he's, he's a brilliant player, absolutely I brilliant.
0: Never saw him. I only know him as a. He's overtaken for me. <laughs> um, who did I like? Uh, Chris Waddle. I think Nevin is better than Waddle because he's so listenable. His the way he speaks yeah. is very musical. Uh, unlike yeah. many analysts on there, but his. But the accidental footballer out now in hardback. So I'm sure this third book has it got a title? Blue is the colour. We're all blue. Uh, the, th-
1: the, the third one is another play on words. It's called Rebirth of the Blues.
0: Ooh, Bessie Smith.
1: Yeah. So yeah. Oh. So that's. A, I mean, all of it, like Rhapsody in Blue, Gershwin, a deeper shade of blue was a bit of a play on words of a White shade of pale. So they've, got, they've all got that music.
0: You are aware that a deeper shade of blue is a song on Steps's second album, Steptacular.
1: Yeah, I know. Good. I found that out the other night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but, uh, yeah, it's a pure coincidence. <laughs> it's a good
0: pop song. <laughs> Very good pop song. Uh, so to finish, and you know, I've I've asked other Chelsea fans for their best 11s, but if we can shoehorn... I suppose a lot of the team picks themselves. Bonetti, the cat, yeah. as the goalkeeper. The chopper yeah. at the back. Did he ever make a good tackle, Ron Harris? Or was it always... He, he,
1: he, he, no, he was a far better footballer than what they gave him credit for, mm. actually. Well, he, he was hard as nails, but... Um... You know, to play at that level for that, what, 20 years and everything. He was a a, a decent player, Uh, Ron Harris. I mean, he wasn't the most skillful in the world, but I mean, as an enforcer and as a captain, uh, we had to wait a long time to get anyone as good as that. And that was John Terry. And that's what we still lack in the club now. That's why I'd love him to sign Declan Rice, to be quite honest, because I think he could well fit into that role. I've got to say, my surely my favourite Chelsea team, you know, of all is that 1970 Cup final winning side. Uh, that, that's the team that I could still rattle off uh, sitting here now, just straight away. Go on, then. and I know that my, the uh, Benetti, Webb, Bacardi, Hollins, Dempsey, Harris, Cook, Hudson, Oscar Hutchinson, houseman Proved your uh, point. Baldwin, Baldwin played in the final because uh, Hudson got injured up at West Brom. Uh, which I suppose was very sad because he never won an FA Cup Winners' Medal. And at 18, that would have been that would have been it for him. But he turned his ankle up at West Brom in a meaningless game over the Easter period and missed both games against Leeds.
0: And then looking at the replay, the side which won the Cup Winners' Cup, um, yeah. which was captained by Harris. Benetti was there. Uh, Peter Osgood yeah. was there. Baldwin Hausman, Keith Weller, right wing. I recognise yeah. that name.
1: Yeah, one of our biggest mistakes selling him after only one season. Where did he go? Uh, he went to Leicester.
0: Oh
1: yeah. He, we, we sold him basically to raise the funds uh, to buy Chris Garland from Bristol City because Ian Hutchinson broke his leg uh, in pre-season, and uh, it was Osgood and Hutchinson were the main strike force. And we thought we needed another, you know, like a foil for for Osgood, but to be quite honest, they never found one like Hutchinson, uh, to be... You know, that was one of the uh, great losses that he, his career was so blighted with injury. Yeah, so that yeah, that was that was a good sign. I think John Boyle played in the final as well.
0: Uh, yes, he did it I right
1: remember. back. Yeah, I think Derek Smithhurst played. Did he? Yeah, I which is a name him.
0: that I don't know, and he's a white South African.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, he didn't make much of an impression at Chelsea. He was always overshadowed by the likes of Oscar and Hutchinson, really, up front, Mm -hmm. um, who were, you know, the the best strike partnership Chelsea most probably ever had, you know, up until the... uh, Well, you don't really get strike partnerships now, do you? No. It was always... uh, No, you you always got, like, one clever play. Like, you know, Tottenham had, like, Shippers and Gilzean and everything, and, you know, uh, Kennedy and Radford at Arsenal and and things like that. It's a bit of a sad, really, because I used to really like that, you know, the foil for each other. It was great.
0: If you go to Hemel Hempstead Town, I'm sure they've got a big man and a little man. In fact, uh, at St Albans until recently, um, Merson, Sam Merson, was the uh, oh, yeah. the little man in the St Albans oh, right. front too. I do hope to go to oh, Hemel right. Hempstead Town in the next season and see if uh, Dougie Brimson is there. Dougie has been in the football library. You won't be surprised to know huh. that he said some things that uh, the football library wished to make clear that these are the views of Dougie Brimson and Dougie Brimson only... Although I I agree with what he says, I respect him inordinately, and he's he's again he's a working writer, uh, doing very well. I'm sure he can give you some tips to write. He'd probably just go, "You bastard, write."
1: Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, it's it is uh, more of an effort to do that and do music. I you know writing songs and playing guitar. Uh, right, but, I mean, it's, it's great when it's done. You know, when I got my copy of the book sent through by pitch, it was, you know, it's unbelievable to see it then. I, I, I on both books, I've chosen all the photographs on the covers as well.
0: hmm And those books, Rhapsody in Blue, which came out last year, and the recent book, A Deeper Shade of Blue. Um, yeah. Will your book in the 80s focus on Paul Cannonville?
1: Yeah, yeah, about that. Um, because he broke into the side in that 82 83 season um and he, he 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 got terrible stick from the uh Chelsea fans as well when he when he made his debut at crystal palace i went to that game and he, it was horrendous mm. really uh yeah but no yeah all, all of that lot and it was that was a really great swashbuckling chelsea side really that did well in the first division as well afterwards
0: yeah, well, I don't know much about it, so thank goodness you, Neil Fitzsimon, are writing this. And yeah. then when it comes yeah. to the day job, which is Fitzsimon and Brogan, what yeah. next? Is there stuff in the can, uh, or are you working yeah. towards a deadline for that?
1: Uh, yeah, no, we haven't got a deadline. We've just started work on the next album. We've got about two tracks down for that at the moment, and uh, hopefully we'll have that finished by Christmas, beginning of New Year, and see what happens then after that.
0: And to finish... Um, but- you, you, you're writing books and you're struggling. I think to write a musical, uh, a sung-through set of songs based on characters, yeah. that's quite tough. Uh, so how was it writing? Yeah. You've written a couple?
1: Me and B, because we, we were both in the band together. She was, you know, she's the singer when Pretty Boot Gun. Um, we had this idea of a story set to the, uh, you know, the songs that we'd... Were written that have been on the albums and everything up till then. B's done some screenwriting as well. She's had a couple of things on at BAFTA and at the British Film Institute. And she got talking to a couple of blokes who had done some work for Channel 4 and she gave them the music and the outline of it. And they came back and said, yeah, we love this idea. We're going to go with it. We're going to turn this into a musical. So they got a musical arranger in and then it was submitted for the greenwich musical futures award and it won it so we got a week's run at the greenwich theatre uh we did one at the bridewell at uh, the world college of music uh, and it was but i've got to say that first day that i went to a rehearsal um after they'd arranged all the songs uh, because i don't do the dots like a lot of pop musicians mm-hmm. i went to a rehearsal down at goose street with the actors playing this story out it was unbelievable i couldn't believe that i'd actually written some of these songs <laughs> and the way that the story all came together it was just quite amazing but the, the only downside each night at the end of the performance was being the writer i had to get up on stage with the cast oh god it was dreadful and I, i'm six foot three and the musical director was about five foot two
0: big man little man
1: it, it looked like i was a uh, my, uh, my son on the stage with me, you know, but it was awful. i the first time I've ever been on a stage without a guitar in my hand, yeah. and it was quite, yeah, very interesting. So I didn't know, what, didn't know what to do with myself.
0: <laughs> Have you done it? I suppose it's been locked down. So, if uh, the plan is for an actual football library to open, and all uh, oh, right, so what I hope that this radio show is doing is talking in the way that I would talk in person, obviously looking down at the yeah. other notes. Uh, and hopefully, getting the author to read their book and uh, put right. it on the shelves of the football library. So you wouldn't be interested in that unless you unless I made you put a Gibson Les Paul on and just say, okay, just kind of threaten to play that every six minutes as a transition.
1: Uh, <laughs> no, no well, yeah, I'm more of a Telecaster man than Gibson's oh, okay. so actually. <laughs> one know, of my favourite sounds, Pink. the Telecaster. Yeah, I've got a Paisley Pink one, uh, Telecaster. Quite an yeah, quite an old one. It's um, a rosewood fretboard on it instead of the maple, which is quite unusual. And I've got a ripping back of 620 as well, which is quite nice. Glorious. And uh, I'd be happy to talk about my book.
0: Well, it would be a hat trick Rhapsody in Blue, a deeper shade of blue, and Rebirth of the Blues. When's the deadline yeah. for this book? You're starting in August. How long are you giving yourself to write it? Five days a week, two pages a day? Uh,
1: about nine months,
0: All right. I think. So hopefully Chelsea will have retained the Champions League by then.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm not going to be greedy. I never expected a second. I I said when we won it in Munich, I thought, well, that's it. I never thought I'd ever see Chelsea. You know, I think for the older supporters, it means so much more because we can remember what it was like, you know, what we went through. Yeah, two's great. And obviously I'll take a third. But I mean, to Mm -hmm. say that I've seen them win it twice is brilliant.
0: Are you really a Chelsea fan if you weren't at... West Brom away in actually West Brom would have been in the top division. Southampton away in nineteen seventy five. We
1: were in the second. They beat beat us four one. In in October in October seventy five. Yeah, yeah, I would have been at that. Yeah, I know Ray Wilkins scored in that game. Oh, the late. Yeah, I've been I've been in some some dire situations at Chelsea. I can tell you, with the grounds like like 60,000 capacity and there's been 8,000 there on a Wednesday night. I think the saddest thing is that as you grow up, I found as they were like turning into like, you know, a very, very poor. You found yourself joining in with the actual laughing at them, which mm. is awful. You, you know, you felt quite guilty afterwards, but you had to, you know, being English, you, you, you've got to laugh it off. And everything, but as I said in that book, you know, they might be rubbish, but they're our rubbish.
0: And it's pathetic. I'm just lucky, finished 11th, as you know, in 1976, Um, scoring less than a goal a game, which is hopeless.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, whatever McCready did during that hot summer of '76, it it was absolutely vital that we got promoted because they were threatening to uh, close the club down. We were so heavily in debt through that East. Stand uh, which would have bankrupted the club, which was built it was supposed to herald a new dawn at Chelsea, but actually heralded the decline of the club. Uh, it was there was no two ways about it with what, what he'd got. We had no money, he had to get that team back into the first division, which he did.
0: And I've just found out you were unbeaten at the bridge uh, the 77 that, yeah, season. Yeah. Even yeah, Nottingham after, yeah. Forest, who went up with you, couldn't win.
1: Yeah, no, no, we beat them 2 1 with a goal by Steve Finnis in the three minutes I remember that that was over the I think that was uh, towards the end of the season uh, I, I think the only game we lost at home that season was we got knocked out of the cup by Southampton in a replay at Stamford Bridge but it, it, it was the league really that we needed to, to go and I think the Wolves finished first and we went up second that's correct yeah and who finished yeah.
0: bottom do you remember who went down
1: Hereford yeah was
0: it Hereford yeah. went down along with Plymouth and Carlisle
1: oh right Okay, yeah. And I'll go now. So there's two relegations and two so se- Oh, no. Yeah.
0: Dave, uh, two in three seasons,
1: yeah. Yeah, two in three seasons, yeah. Yeah, I remember that year well. It was, a, I mean, it was a brilliant season because it put the pride back in the club. You didn't feel like, you know, shame faced uh, mentioning that you were a Chelsea supporter because they were, you know, it's a great shame what happened with McCready, really. I, I believe um, one of the Chelsea magazines, Eddie McCready's Blue in My Army, they actually sent in the copies of both books, Eddie. So that would be interesting.
0: Has your book reached the hands of any of the players from the seventies era?
1: I don't. I do not know. I don't know. I mean, it's been do, it's been doing very well, like on Amazon. It's, yeah. uh, Rhapsody in Blue's been a bestseller for a long time, and I, I think at the moment both books are in the top five on Amazon at the moment. So, and the Chelsea fraternity have been very supportive as well, like Tim Rolls and all that lot you know they've been really getting behind it and everything and they've been great yeah they've been really helpful as well
0: that is super and i'm sure gary thacker chelsea fan extraordinaire has read these books he can give you some yeah. tips he, he's knocking out the books i think he's working on the one after the one he's already written now
1: oh um, is he oh right yeah yeah because I'm, I'm quite i i, I speak lots of to tim rolls and the, he's writing a new one called uh sexton for god which was uh, which was one of the banners of, that was at Wembley that day in 1970. And he, he's just put a review of The Deeper Shade of Blue on Amazon. It's a really lovely review he's put on there as well, which is really nice of him. Because yeah. I really admire him. He's written a couple of really great books about Chelsea, Tim Rolls.
0: Which ones?
1: Uh, well, the one I can really remember is Doherty's Diamonds and Daredevils. Yes, I've heard of that. I haven't read
0: it, but I do know yeah, of it.
1: Oh yeah, it's really really so brilliantly researched it. I got it a couple of Christmases ago, so it's quite weird now that I like talk to Tim on Twitter, you know, after all this and Mark Warrell as well, who's written quite a few Chelsea books of uh Liquidator about the, about the seventy cup win as well, yeah. So yeah, they've been really great the Chelsea lot. There's been no like, you know, that they're in competition with you or anything like that, the writers. They've all been really good and really like, you know, very complimentary about the books as well, which is great.
0: Yeah, it's uh, all for one and one for all at the Chelsea. Neil Fitzsimon, yeah. Fitzsimon and Brogan.com oh. The latest album is "This Wicked Pantomime," um, produced immaculately by Pat Collier and featuring B Brogan and today's Football Library guest Neil Fitzsimon. Blue is the color. Chelsea is your name.
1: <laughs> That's right. Forevermore. Yeah. Just like the library. Just like the library. Just like the library. Shh. <sharp inhale>